Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Hi, and welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. Glad you chose to tune in. As usual, I have an information-packed hour to share with you about the latest in automotive technology, self-driving trucks, a Tesla semi-truck and Model 3 sedan update, and the continuing saga of to diesel or not to diesel. All that and more, but first, for those of you with a question, comment, observation, or even a story idea, it's easy for you to connect with me in the show. Call or text the Roadworthy Driveline at 872-222-9793. That number is good anytime. If email is your preference, I got you covered there too. Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com will connect you directly with me. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. And by we, I mean the intrepid Roadworthy Drive crew. In studio with me right now uh, at the controls is my friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, Jack. And holding it down on mic two is our resident technology geek, the fun and sa- sassy Miss Sasha. Howdy, folks. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey. Fun. Doing okay. Hi, y'all. Doing good. Doing um, good. Got over my dental emergency this week. Uh, yeah. How did that work out, by the way? Um, I'll just say it worked out. Okay, then. That's, that's all good. You're still here with us. And, yes, and, and, no, and no meeting with the suits this week. Amen. Can we have a moment of, of amen? Can somebody? Uh, amen. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. You need to aim for the mic there, Sasha, though. What? It's so right people here. can hear you. Yes. And... Ken, what yes. is in the parts bin this week? Oh, my. What is in the parts bin? What is not in the parts bin? Yeah, after I was at your office on Friday, yeah, I had to ask that question because I saw the stack of paper. Well, the only thing you didn't see? Yeah. The kitchen sink. What? Yeah, the kitchen sink was not in the parts bin. But did you hear about the kitchen sink that now has Wi-Fi adaptability? <laughs> no. Does <laughs> or, it have wills, too? Or mm-hmm. or the one I saw this morning? Mm. The sink that has no bowl. There is it's a it's same piece of granite countertop. Yep. That's that's kind of pitched a little bit, and the drains in the back. Yep. I'm like, okie dokie. I got nothing. And back no. to cars we go. I, 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 I got nothing. I, I got nothing. That's just outside my wheelhouse. I got nothing on that. I get it. Okay. How about this one? You ain't gonna see this one coming. Literally. Um, on the way to full autonomy. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through this period, and we're going to talk about it a little later, uh, when you are going to have semi-autonomous cars, which is what we kind of have now. In fact, I'm driving one. Uh, the Volvo I'm driving this week. Yeah, I saw the Volvo one yeah, Friday. Semi-autonomous, nice which was really freaky because I had never driven one before. Uh-huh. This one requires you to keep at least one hand on the steering wheel. So I said, okay, what happens if you don't? Well, I'll tell you what happens. If it's driving along and you take your hands off the steering wheel, and I think it's about 10 or 15 seconds, uh, it will it will first chime at you. Then it will turn down the music. Then it will completely disengage the cruise and the semi-autonomous control. Oh. That could lead to disaster really fast. Well, here's the thing. I can hear the car saying, I tried to warn you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. But here's the other problem right along those lines. Okay. 
how are designers and engineers going to solve the problem as these semi-autonomous cars, which are not yet fully autonomous yet? If a person dozes off, falls asleep, you're going on the interstate, everything's fine, car's engaged, you got a hand maybe on the steering wheel or resting, or you've done something to let the car know that you are there. Okay. But maybe you're dozing off, or maybe you're not even paying attention. Or maybe you're having a medical emergency. That would be my next question. But I was is thinking this, that is this car going to pull over if I'm having a medical issue? But here's the bigger problem. Okay. What they're finding, the bigger problem is folks falling asleep. Yeah. Um, they're trying to design to overcome the long periods of inactivity as the vehicle does its thing. They're trying to design things to keep the driver engaged uh, so that if the vehicle needs the driver to take over, the driver would be ready and able to take over as needed. I got it. I got exactly what we need to what, do. What you got, Sasha? We need to put like those Facebook games up there on the windshield. Oh, mercy. So that way it'll keep the driver engaged because we're playing, you know, Farmville or Tetris or something like that. Yeah, until they need to suddenly react, but they're being distracted Look, I'm just, I'm now. Just, I'm just trying to help you out with, you know, keeping us, you know. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> Researchers are currently focused on sensors that will monitor driver activity. In fact, GM has even announced for the Cadillac Super Cruise it will include eye tracking technology for such a situation. Okay. But you've talked about how the fact that the car is going to the next stage is going to be it's it's going to be able to take medical um I uh, believe information of the driver. I mean, that's just the next. If they actually get into something that's going to t- track what the driver, how the driver is feeling, maybe heart rate ratio, maybe like what he was saying, eye control, that kind of thing. Well, and then that gets back into the um, security issue that I have. Yep. Of is this going to do it generically, or is it going to do it and identify me if all of a sudden I'm having a medical issue and all of a sudden here's the car calling the police, the fire department, your you know, wife, the wife, whoever your emergency yeah, contact you know people what? are. If you're having an emergency, do you really care at that point? Or would you just no, rather be no, dead? No, but I would hope that the car would also go, okay, I got to pull over. And in some design cases, that is the fact that it will do. Yep. But okay. um, switching gears ever so slightly, here's a question. He's done talking about it. I am. Because it's, it's, it's evolutionary. I mean, this is the thing. It's not the issue for a fully autonomous car. The issue is for a semi-autonomous car, which is able, under conditions... To drive independently, but not all the time in every situation. Okay, but my question comes back to the same thing. We're going to go through a period here of we are going to have issues, questions, lawsuits come up because we got to figure this stuff out because nobody thought about it. Yeah, well, they did when the car was invented. What do you think happened the first time one of those horseless carriages hit a pedestrian? That's why those horseless carriages will never be a thing. They'll never tack on. Exactly. Okay. So it, it's not new. But let's, let's, change, let's change the subject. When is a Lexus not a car? When it's a watch. No. When, when it's a jacket. When it's a boat. When it's what? a Toyota. A boat. Wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Back this truck up. Yeah. <laughs> The official Roadworthy Drive backing device. This is called an executive producer, YouTube, and time on his hands. Uh, I got nothing for you. Okay, it's a boat. It's a boat. Lexus 
Sport Yacht. The concept was introduced last year in Miami. It was conceived by Lexus Design and engineered by Toyota Marine Division. They wanted to explore new areas of luxury and active lifestyles. Toyota, Toyota Lexus. has a mar- or Lexus has a marine division. Toyota does since 1990. Really? Yeah, they've been building boats for a while. They're not to this level. They're building boats or they're building motors. Boats. I guess Toyota's into everything, aren't they? Welcome everything. to the brave new world. My okay. Friend. But here's the thing. This particular boat, the concept was the actual running concept was actually built by a Wisconsin company for them. Folks loved it so much. Lexus said, you know what? We're going to design, build, and actually bring to market a larger boat Okay. next year. You can actually buy you a Lexus sport yacht, a 65-footer, next year in the United States. Sasha? Take this right out of petty cash. I'm going to do that. Although, if I buy the Toyota one, will it be cheaper? There's not going to be a Toyota one. Is there going to be a Toyota equivalent that they're no. trying to make us? No. No? No. All right. Then I'll, we'll get the Lexus one. Okay. Uh, the new yacht will be offered for sale as a 65-foot sport uh, flybridge cruiser, have luxury staterooms below deck, and entertaining space for up to 15 guests. Okay. Again, what is the cost of this boat? They have not said. Specifications, pricing, and other details will be announced at a later date. But I can can guarantee you that will be powered by what they call a marinized version of the Lexus V8 engine. Of course. Wow. Yeah. Maybe even a pair of them. Yeah. This old girl going to move. Well, So for the person who's got everything, now you can have a Lexus boat to go with your Lexus car and your Lexus SUV. Okay. How soon are we going to have the Lexus home? Uh, who knows? Uh, they're trying to do the uh, Lexus uh, connected oh, car. Yeah. And may I add that, speaking of connected, so will this boat be uh, to the company's new mobility services platform, which will provide security, smartphone integration, remote diagnostics, maintenance, and other services. So there, a Lexus boat for the man or woman who has everything and just got to have a Lexus at their marina as well in the water. Okay, so now we're going to look at status symbols and people that have money. Great. Ah, uh, could be, but you never know. Okay, when I return, Uber has autonomous trucks on the road right now, and I'll tell you where. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. all the fun that's in the new 64 Buick Special. The Special follows the fun wherever it goes. Still trim on the outside. Even more room inside. Three great new engines to choose from. A miserly V6 and two spectacular performing V8s. And talk about economy. It almost takes something on two wheels to beat this new special. The 
64 Special, the car that follows the fun anywhere. Well, almost anywhere. And above all, it's a Buick. If you're just joining us, welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Okay, hold it. What? What was a Buick 64 Special? Um, we would consider that today a yacht. to be to be a standard size car. Back then, it was considered a compact car. Really? Yeah. And oh, in that particular commercial, mm-hmm. that was a convertible. That was a convertible. Yeah, with two kids, the perfect family, husband, wife, two kids. One boy, one girl. One boy, one girl. Wife okay. Kids. Yep. Perfect. Nineteen sixty-four. Oh, and that last little part where it said. It would go anywhere, almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a guy climbing up, rappelling up rocks. So, yeah. A uh, guy. Buick wasn't about to do all that. Oh, I would hope not. Although yeah. although Land Rover's on it now. Not that particular cliff, no. No, but they went up an entire set of what I'm going to call stairs. Yeah, with a highly modified vehicle and modified tires. Yeah, that was cute. And I went, why? Because they could. So what were they trying to prove? Does it really matter what you can prove? Yeah. If you wanted to, in case of a zombie apocalypse or if you're, you know, wanting to get the attention. Yeah, but usually, and this, wandering a little bit from this, but the thing that always kills me Mm -hmm. is they show these commercials, these car commercials, and they go in a small print, do not attempt. Why are you showing me? Yeah. And then why are they picking up these things that, I mean, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going yeah, to really. do it. Professional driver on closed course. course. Do right. not attempt. Yeah. Right. Driving down the road at a fixed speed, doing absolutely nothing but driving. I'm not going to mention the automaker, but I'm not even lying to you. One commercial shows them leaving their driveway, driving cross country. I'm not lying. And it says, says, do not attempt. Yep, do not attempt. You're just supposed to buy the car, let it sit in your driveway. driveway. I mean, is it safe to sit in the driveway, though? Don't know. Right? Don't know. And it it was a major manufacturer, (laughs) which I will not name. It's not safe because of the zombie apocalypse. Right. There you go. So anyway, Ken, I'm looking at the notes, and it says, and actually, I saw this yesterday Mm -hmm. on my Facebook wall. Mm Mm-hmm. And it said Uber's autonomous semis are on the road in Arizona. That is true. That is about as far as I got. So fill us in. Well, I will. Um, as we talked about, uh, and people may realize that Uber is a ride-hailing service, and it's turned transportation on its ear. Um, and there's a lot. And what you don't know, there are a lot of companies just like Uber. Uber, Lyft, Maven are probably the three most people in America know. Mm-hmm. There's car to go, a whole bunch get. Uh, Grab a whole bunch of others around the country and around the world. Okay. Um, however, mainly taxi cabs are feeling the direct brunt of this. But what most people don't realize is what you just said, Jack, what Uber is doing elsewhere in the world, transportation. Now, to refresh, regular listeners would know, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a few months ago, a semi-truck powered by Uber's self-driving tech transported a trailer full of beer from a brewery to a warehouse in Colorado, autonomously, right. a distance of 120 miles. Since then, Uber has continued to make progress in the trucking industry with their attentions now turned towards Arizona. This is where this is going on. And why? It's a regulatory-friendly state towards vehicle to- the auto- vehicle automation, automation, I can talk, <laughs> industry. Here's what we know. The company says that it has two main transfer hubs in Sanders and Top Oc, uh, Arizona, 
and they're not really saying much about it, except um, that they've done thousands of rides uh, back and forth. And the way this works, an 18-wheeler conventional truck driver brings the load to one of their uh, um, transfer hubs. Okay. Uber autonomous truck backs up to it, connects, takes it over the longest uh, part of the trip to their next transfer hub autonomously. When it gets there, driver, regular driver connects it, takes it last mile. You said it yesterday. Really, we're talking first, really, you need to drive first mile, last mile, but the longest part of the trip is done autonomously. Now, the question I had about all of this was, are these trucks exempt from the federal laws regarding how much time a driver can be behind the wheel. I would there's, still, there's still a driver. There's still what they call a safety driver in the vehicle. Okay. But the question is, since the driver's not really driving per se, are they exempt? Now, I haven't heard anything or read anything uh, in the news or from the uh, National you know, Highway Traffic Safety Board. Right or the U.S. Department of Transportation, but couldn't you? But couldn't you also argue both sides of that of that case? I could because, because what what's, they still what's, need to stay alert. What, but what is to say that if this truck is driving autonomously down the road and I decide three hours in, okay, Jack needs a nap, I go take a nap. Yeah, but here's yeah, but here's the issue. Um, the big question is, what are the fail safes if it requires the driver to take over? Uber hasn't said it hasn't said how many okay. times that they had to take over. Uh, there is no mention in this information um, that they were exempt in the first place. So I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that because it can stay on task and stay more consistent, that there's some advantage. Maybe that's not even the point. They're doing it autonomously to prove that they can even with the rules. Well, yeah, and the other thing that you had said before, one of the goals is maybe is to have a driver in the front, a driver in the back, and three or four in the middle where they're just following in a safe distance. Well, you're talking about platooning. Yeah. And in platooning, there is no safe distance. They're right there. That's how they get the advantage in fuel economy because the first truck parts the air, the other trucks come into that envelope, and they can get upwards of 3% advantage by platooning. You add autonomous vehicles with platooning, mm-hmm. and then you can get some real economies of scale. But here's something you may not know. Uber's not alone. There's another company called Embark who's been doing it uh, since last year. And they've been delivering frigid air appliances between Texas and California, making the long-haul trip from California to Florida early this year. They did one trip like that. Okay. Again, big question, and nobody's talking about it. Are these drivers, are these trucks exempt from the federal uh, laws regarding how much, how many hours drivers can be behind the Did wheel? Did they drive it straight through? Well, I don't know. And that's, that is the big issue I've got. You know, did they get any advantage uh, as a result of the autonomy? If so, what waivers did they get? And what did that mean as opposed to a truck being on hours Ten hours out of every so many hours, I think they can what drive. It's ten, t- it's ten out of twenty-four. That's what I thought. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Next, it's time for a Tesla update. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the growing Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Want more than your share of the road? 
be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. second part of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for dropping in. I'm your host, Ken Chester. If you're one of those who need more or want more than your fair share of the road, check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Find recordings of past shows, videos of our weekly behind-the-scene antics in studio as we produce the show for you and more. We also have an active presence in social media. Sasha, our resident social media diva, keeps things light and lively during the week between shows as she shares automotive technology and unique tidbits that will keep you informed and entertained. From Facebook to YouTube, see how she keeps the social in our social media, and you'll be glad you did. Uh, She has a lot of interesting things during the week that are fascinating, some of them, but uh, always entertaining. I will say this. All of what Sasha posts is fascinating. Yes, and entertaining. Thank you. Did I mention entertaining? Yes, you did. Okay. We like to be entertained. Although I will say, and I still contend, (laughs) that that one survey you did was rigged. (laughs) Let it go. I let it go. I can't. I can't. Ram is still a ram. You need to cue up the song, Jack. Ram is still a ram. From Frozen, from his favorite movie, the soundtrack. I will have have to grab that. Yeah, no. Rigged. I want to recount. Recount. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, there were no hanging chads here, so you don't get a recount. Wow. Do I have to take it to the Supreme Court, too? <laughs> is that what this is going to take? Probably. Okay, oh let's, let's get to oh Tesla, my goodness. I got questions. Do you? Yes. Jack, we have answers. We do. We do. It's been a while since we've talked about what's going on in the world of Tesla. And as you can tell by the excitement, in studio is probably time. Raw. Yeah. <laughs> There have been a couple of impressive developments that are worthy of note, and of course, especially around here, discussion. There are signs that the production hell for the Model 3 may have finally come to an end. Sasha, make a note. Mm. We need a theme song for a Tesla update. I still think that it needs to be ludicrous speed. Nah, nah, nah. nah. Oh, you mean this? Ludicrous speed! (laughs) Go! You happy now? I am approaching happiness, yes. Oh, I'm extremely happy. <laughs> Let me drop this bombshell on you. Okay. The Model 3 yep. in February okay. led the pack in electric vehicle sales. Yes, it did. Okay. So... They sold over 3,000 of them. Yep. Compared to the previous leader, which was the Bolt with a B, which dropped to fourth place. Fourth? Fourth. Who took up two and three? Uh, the Toyota Prius that, was number two. Okay. Number three and four, Tesla Model S at 2000 Tesla Model X, their SUV crossover, at just under 2000 The Bolt came in at 1424 The Volt, the Chevy Volt with a V, mm-hmm. yeah, fell off a cliff, 983 <laughs> Yeah, it did. And then behind that, the Nissan Leaf. But let me explain with the Leaf. The Leaf is in the process of ramping up the new 2018s. Okay. So they're okay. expecting sales of that to get back up there once there's availability. Okay, now, so right now it's not available. It's available, but not in volume. Oh, okay. 
once they get the volumes up, you'll see the sales numbers go back. Okay. But right now, what we've been talking about for the most part was the trouble that Tesla was having getting Model 3 production up. Now, granted, 3000 for the month, not the 1500 a week he was talking about, or even the 5000 a week he'd promised by now. Right. But again, what my question is going to be is, where is he making a dent in the orders he's already got? 350000 No. Okay, so we're still back in production heck. No, 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 no. He's getting volume up, but he has a backload of orders that even at full volume would have taken him two years to clear. Okay. You know, your, your average assembly plant in the auto industry is usually good for about 60 to 72 units an hour, you know, five days a week. Mm-hmm. Running, depending if you're running two shifts. So you should be getting a few thousand a week or more. Um, they're not there. But they're ramping up because they weren't even at 3,000. Mm-hmm. So it's happening. We'll see. There are other bottlenecks in the system, mainly with batteries and things, uh, in their gigafactory that seems to be an issue. And, and we talked about raw materials a few weeks back. Okay. I thought the battery facility was up and running really it, well. It is. But there's a need for lithium, remember? Okay. Yeah. We talked and about cobalt, that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Raw materials. Yeah, you got to have the raw materials to make stuff. Okay, so it's basically a, a material supply problem. Could be. Okay. And a line problem. Got to get stuff built, and you got to have the stuff to build it. Yep. Let me throw this at you while we're at it. So we, we, have, we covered there. Um, guess what? Two of Tesla's electric semis are working right now. Okay. They're on the road. Wait, on the road? Yes. In Arizona? No. Where are they on the road at? They're running between Nevada and California. Tesla's using them internally to run batteries between their Gigafactory in Nevada and their plant in California. Okay, first off, does the Tesla semi have a steering wheel? Yeah, because it's not autonomous, Jack. It's electric. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I thought when he pulled that out, he was rolling out that. Okay. No. We're not there yet. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I'm here. It's all. It's going to be okay. Just, just trust me. Here's the thing. They're they're running what they call quote unquote production trucks, but they're 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 taking uh, the batteries, finished batteries, from the Gigafactory assembly line to the Tesla plant in Fremont. Mm-hmm. Um, the trucks had full size trailers attached. Uh, during previous sightings, they did not. Uh, there's pictures of the trucks leaving the plant. Okay. So they're actually running. Now, did you know that that trip from the Gigafactory in Nevada to Fremont, California, mm-hmm. one way, is four and a half hours? Okay, so it's a couple hundred miles. 260 to 270 miles. Okay. Uh, not a long haul, but it could be something that's still very useful to a large number of customers and a trip that Tesla itself has to make regularly with its own transport fleet for this very purpose. Now, what I did not say is that these trucks are in production. So, again, I would argue seems like these are proof of concept. Okay. Where are they producing the semis? They didn't say. but They've never said, correct? That, to my understanding. But... 
also understand they've got a heck of a pre-order book. And it's notable that fleet operators are willing to take a flyer and put anywhere from five to twenty grand down a piece up front for truck with no history. Well, my question is, how long is that money going to be tied up before I actually have the truck? They're estimating between late 2019 to early 2020. But even then, you still got to put the truck in evaluation for your particular solution to see if the truck's going to do it. A lot of these companies have bought five, ten trucks uh, to order to test them out, see how they're going to work out. So our quick little Tesla update. Finally, when I come back for the last segment, diesel cars and trucks ain't dead yet. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. This is the last installment of the hour. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Thank you for checking us out. This journey or nightmare, if you will, concerning the manufacture and availability of diesel-powered cars, SUVs, and light trucks has been a roller coaster, to be sure. From the first signs of trouble with Volkswagen, now almost three years ago, to countries, states, and now even local municipalities, restricting or downright banning the sale or presence of such vehicles on their roads, a valid question would be, what's going on? Is it time to have the last rights for diesel engines or not? No. Yes. Okay. I believe we have a, a, we have a studio divided. Did you Let's, want to recount on that? No, we're going to talk about it. No, a studio divided cannot stand. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's, let's have a word. Okay. Let's start in Germany. Now, Germany, there are over 12 million diesel vehicles on the road. Okay. Reason being, and you may not know this, um, taxes are such that if you own a vehicle with a displacement of greater than three liters, you get taxed the bejesus out of you. You do. So a lot of these vehicles have smaller, more powerful four-cylinder engines that tends to lend itself towards turbo diesels. Mm-hmm. So hence the reason towards that Europeans are more diesel-minded than we are here in America. Now, put a, put, a, put a tack in that. Okay. The highest federal administrative court in Germany ruled that cities in the nation are allowed to ban some diesel cars from their streets. We're talking about cars, not heavy-duty trucks. Cars. Okay. The development follows action in Paris, Madrid, Mexico City, and Athens on banning diesel vehicles in the future. Now, Germany also happens to be um, Europe's largest auto market. And it, like I said, it's going to affect 12 million vehicles in Germany. And they got Volkswagen to thank for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of Volkswagen's misdeeds, a wider array of older diesel cars came under scrutiny, leading some politicians at the local level to decide that older, less clean vehicles should be barred 
from their cities. Okay, now you've caused another problem for the consumer because his car is now worth nothing. Or pretty close. According to this, and I believe it is an environmental watchdog uh, uh, outfit in Germany, says that Germany experiences 13,000 premature deaths each year from nitrogen dioxide pollution. And that's one of the major uh, pollutants in uh, diesel exhaust. Okay, so they would not be using DEF over there? No. Okay. They estimate that the cost of fixing those older cars would be between, uh, and they're looking at 5.8 million of those 12 million, mm-hmm. uh, between 7.6 billion euros to 14.5 billion euros, which is considerably more in American dollars. So we're talking about half the vehicles over there. Uh, half the vehicles that are diesel. Yep. Okay. Uh, while we're on that roll, add Fiat Chrysler to the list. Of course. They say they will phase out the fuel from its cars across all of its brands. And they mentioned, once the dominant fuel source in Europe, diesel market share has been falling, falling the VW emissions scandal. Okay, so what are their alternatives? Oh, but I've got more. Okay. Add Rome to the list. Yep. About two-thirds of the 1.8 million new cars sold in Italy last year were diesel. And Rome is banning them by 2030. Um, in addition to Milan, Italy. Oh, I'm sorry. Rome is banning them by 2024. Milan is banning them by 2030. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to skip a bit. Um, there's this turnabout about Porsche. Let me start. On February 20th, this is last month, big article by uh, an automotive publication in the United Kingdom said that Porsche's out. We're getting away from it. We ain't fooling with diesels anymore across the rest of the world. Now, they stopped selling diesels in the United States in 2015. They kept selling diesels in the rest of the world. Okay. They're not going to do that, according to this big article. Yeah, no, we ain't going to do it. We are moving towards hybrids, but we are out. Peace out, gone. However, a week later in Automotive News, and I quote, Porsche expects to launch a diesel version of the new generation of Cayenne, that's her SUV, this year and may offer the powertrain in the smaller Macan crossover as well, a top executive said, denying reports that the automaker plans to abandon the technology. Okay, who at Porsche let the information out that they were done? Um, top official, apparently. And then he then they then they back then they backstepped, correct? I'm not sure if they backstepped or if they just wasn't sure. Maybe they changed their minds. Maybe it wasn't completely um, official. Okay, but they came out and said that they're done, and now he's going to be like, "No, what? We never said that, uh, but ever." But there's more. Of course, there is. Um, Hyundai is bringing a diesel to the United States. That doesn't surprise me. That does not surprise Their next generation Santa Fe will be diesel. But again, I'm not done. In 2020, the next Kia Sorento will also be diesel. In United States only? I don't know about only, but in the United States. Well, I mean, that kind of makes sense because the United States is really, really, really late to the party. I mean, seriously, everyone else has left that dinner party. And we're still coming to it. Yeah, we're still arriving. But wait a minute. Hold on. But when you look at the price of diesel around here, 
Mm-hmm. Right now, it's about there's a forty cent differential, and diesel's higher. Yeah, yeah but the fuel economy is way greater. Yeah, and that's part of the magic of diesel. A lot of low end torque in the engines with the turbos, plus better fuel economy and longer wear. The typical diesel engine, it was engineered to be a diesel engine. You're looking at two, three hundred thousand miles and not break a sweat, compared to about one hundred and fifty thousand for the average uh, gasoline engine. But let me throw these names at you that you might not have known. Uh, Mazda had talked about a diesel for their CX-5. And Jaguar Land Rover um, offering a number of turbo diesels right now, still in America. So the question is, as I said before, is diesel dead or not? I don't believe it is. Oh, let me go a little further. Chevrolet has two. Yep. Their new Equinox, Mm -hmm. diesel. 1.6 1.6 liter. Again, only in the United States. Chevrolet Cruze, diesel option, 1.6 liter. Didn't they also throw a diesel in the Colorado? Um, yeah, but it's a truck. Okay. And uh, they're going great guns. They can't keep up with the demand for the thing. Oh, well. All too soon, we've come to an end of another hour, people. <laughs> On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation. 